0: Well, here we go. <clears throat> Where were you in the blizzard of 2020? <laughs> That's going to be the question that uh, will come up. That was great. As Jared said, that was, uh, that was great. We wonder why people get sick around here, right? Uh, if you have your Bible or your devices, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Uh if you're new to the scriptures, Acts is in the New Testament. The Bible is broken into two sections, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, and the New Testament, the New Covenant, and uh Acts is the fifth fifth book in. So uh uh just to remind you, there's sixty-six books in the Bible and uh and they're all into put together, but Acts and uh we're gonna be reading in chapter one, verses one through ten. So let you find that, and, and uh, for you that uh, haven't been here or you're a guest, uh, 2012 was a new decade, I mean, excuse me, 2020 is a new decade, I'll get it, uh, 2020 was a new decade, not just a new year, so we have, we have uh, stepped into this series we're calling Fresh Start and uh, we talked about a fresh start in the God's Word, that uh, hopefully you're working your plan. We talked about developing a, a plan to read God's Word, to read the Bible, and uh, some of you are reading it through in a year, some of you are reading the New Testament through, whatever. Just read, make sure you have your plan. If you failed in your plan, fail forward, get up and uh, right where you are and just keep going. So, we encourage you in that, and so we we uh, did God's word. Number two, we talked about uh fresh start in your prayer life. We talked about wanting to be a people of prayer, communing with god and 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 uh in fact, tomorrow is our unceasing prayer day, and many of you are on the unceasing prayer. You can all pray the unceasing prayer. Uh, many of you have yet to go on our webpage and sign up and we want you to do that so that you make sure you get the emails of what we're praying for so uh, tomorrow or beginning at midnight for the next 24 hours we will be praying over the whole Austin metro area for revival for God to do a great work and also this week is our pray the rock and so if you have not received those prayers uh, I'm sure there's back back in the area or you probably got them by email so these, this is what's going on. I also want to say, uh, this past Thursday was our mayor's prayer breakfast. And I, I, have got to fight pride a little bit, just to be honest with you. Proud of you guys, uh, uh, our safety, safety team, our greeters, our ushers. Many of you were there. And Central's always on the front lines of things in the community. And I, I can't, I, I've got to battle pride a little bit there. And, and I'm so grateful for you. And it was a great day. That was the blizzard day. And, uh, you still came out to, uh, 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 to be a part of the prayer. So we talked about, uh, fresh start in our prayer and then a couple of weeks ago we talked about fresh start in community. We weren't intended to live life alone. We do it in community. And so we talked about the need that we have for one another in loving one another, serving one another, caring for one another, weeping with one another, rejoicing with one another. We need one another's. And so today we're going to talk about a fresh start in sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So Acts 1, 1 through 10, let me read and y- y'all follow along. In my former book, and in my, they're referring to Luke, the physician, the doctor, Dr. Luke. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, the the sent out ones, the chosen ones he had chosen. After his suffering, and the suffering refers to the passion, uh Remember, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. The passion refers to the suffering of Jesus. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He made it plain that he was was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me stop there just a moment. Notice in verse 4 he says that you are to go and wait. Waiting is the hardest thing for us in the world. However, this particular Greek word is an active waiting, an active waiting. You may remember the story that uh, is in Luke's chapter 15, where, where he talks about the forgiving father and the prodigal son, that the prodigal son had spent up his inheritance on wild living, so to speak, is what the Bible says. And he was coming home and the father was waiting for him, but he was actively waiting. And as soon as he saw his son, he ran to his son. Uh, Another way of looking at at that is many of you ladies have have, uh, bore children, and you know what it's like to be expecting a child. You know in time that child is going to come, and there's an expectation of waiting. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You are to wait for this gift, this promise, the Holy Spirit that is to come, but you be looking, actively waiting for what's going to take place. That's what he says there. Verse 6, we carry on. Then they gather around him and ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight, and they were looking intently up into the skies he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, and they they responded that the the same way you saw Jesus go, he will return one day. So we we want to look at this just a few minutes and unpack this and see what God is saying to them there and to see what he is saying to us also. Uh, as we look at this as his followers today. The first thing that I want to mention here is that notice that Jesus says that you are to go and to wait, and that's what he's commanded them to do. The Holy Spirit, the promised gift, is going to come. And you would think, okay, that's what we're going to do. And then they ask the question, uh, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom basically on earth? And In other words, are you going to give make Israel a nation so that Uh, They're going to have, be a power force on this earth. The first point I want to make is this, is that Jesus is concerned with eternal things, and we so often are concerned with temporary things. Uh, The disciples here were caught up in a temporary thing. Are you going to restore an earthly kingdom here to Israel? And Jesus said, that's not, he doesn't get on to them, but he said, that's not even for me to determine. Uh, but this is the deal. We're talking about eternal issues here. Sometimes we are guilty of the same thing. We, we get so caught up in temporary comforts that we forget God has an eternal spectrum that He is, He is wanting. And sometimes, hear me on this, sometimes we equate physical comfort with spiritual closeness to God. And so sometimes we're guilty when bad things happen, we think that God has left us. And that's not the case. You cannot say, oh, my bank account's full, my kids are doing all right, my health is good, my job's good, we have friends. I must be good with God. You cannot, you cannot do that. You can't equate, you cannot equate earthly comfort with your status, where you are with the Lord. That's already been established. So what, what happens is, is when somebody's going through something good, and you equate that with spiritual uh, favor, then what happens when things go wrong? You think, oh God, you've left me. And that's not the case. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is as close to you, and he's closer, it seems, in the down times than when the good times. I gotta be honest, I have grown more through the sandpaper times of my life, and I call those times when God's roughing out, uh, smoothing out my rough edges, At the, those times I grow more than in the comfort times. And so, we sometimes are guilty of thinking, uh, temporary things when God is thinking eternal things. Uh, in, in fact, the Lord, let me tell you, you're not gonna like this, okay? The Lord sometimes has to put you in uncomfortable positions so that you will grow. New Testament, what happened? Jesus ascended. The Holy Spirit came. The people started desperately sharing the message of Jesus. The next thing you know is they're under persecution. Well, you would think that persecution, oh, no, where's God in the midst of this? what God is doing, he's saying, I got to get you out of here to the rest of the world. And the only way I can get you there is persecution. And they went to the far corners of the world with the gospel to praise God. They eventually came to America and we heard the gospel. And so we have to be careful in thinking that bad times are not part of what God's plan is. I've seen More men and women grow closer to God during a time that they got laid off than when their job was going fine. I'm just telling you, God uses those down times. Persecution in the church led to the gospel saturation. And so this is important for us to grab hold of. The second thing I want us to look at today is what it says in verse 8. He says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Point number two is this. The Spirit comes to enable. Um, it says there, the Spirit, you will receive power. And we really get hung up in that word power. In, in, in the Greek, it's the word dunamis, which we get the word dynamic and the word dynamite. So we're saying, oh, when the Spirit comes, we've got dynamite going in us. Gotta understand, dynamite came a long time after the Greek word dunamos ever existed. The literal translation of this word is enablement, or sufficiency, or resourcing, or it's to influence. So, in other words, what Jesus is saying to his followers, and we are those followers, he's saying, you will receive the Holy Spirit, and through receiving the Holy Spirit, you will receive enablement. Well, we think enablement for what? I mean, just to live? What, what are you talking about? And he says it right here. You will receive this enablement so that you will be my witnesses. That's why the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them and gave them this power, gave them this dynamic, is so that they could be Christ's witnesses, because Jesus would no longer be with them. He said, I have to leave so that one comes that will enable you to be my witnesses all over the world. Jesus was in human form 24-7. He was limited. Now by His Spirit, He's not limited. He is as much here as He is with Jim in India and with people all over the world. So He said, the Spirit comes to enable you, disciples, followers of Jesus, so that you may be my witnesses. Now, You're not going to like this part either. The word witness is literally the word martyr. It's the word martyr. In other words, the Holy Spirit coming upon you is going to be the one that is going to enable you to be willing to lay down your life for the sake of the gospel, because this is not all there is. But the word witness also has different definitions other than uh, giving your life for. It's also the term for a legal representative. In other words, you got on trial. Somebody calls you to the front and says, OK, you're the witness in this trial. Why did they call you? Is because you're a credible witness. You're going to tell the truth about what you've experienced. So these people, just like you and I, who have had an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to be his representatives to a world that do not know him. And isn't it amazing that we live in a day that we expect the world to make Christian decisions and to act a particular way? No, we cannot, we cannot expect that. But we as followers of Jesus need to be that way. So we are those representatives right there. A third definition, not only is it martyr, which is to give your life, and a legal representative, but thirdly, you're an ambassador you have the authority in you by Christ being in you that now you can go forth as an ambassador of Jesus Christ and, and to display him to a world once again that desperately needs him. So the Spirit empowers, enables, uh, makes you uh, sufficient to be able to do this. But hear this part, very practical. The Spirit enables you... Indeed and in word. Indeed and in word. Now, we, we've used this around here before. I've quoted this many times. We gotta be careful sometimes. You always be a witness at sometimes used words. Right? In other words, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Sometimes, followers of Jesus, we're guilty of thinking, oh, I let my light shine, and we never give a verbal witness. There will come a time, because Paul said in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, Paul being a follower of Jesus, he said that how will they know unless somebody proclaims it to them, unless somebody verbalizes it to them. So the Holy Spirit comes, enables you, first of all, to live a godly life, to through your deeds in other words the uh, the you cannot do it on your own i know some of you are good good all the time and some of you are good for nothing uh, is the way we look at but but you you live these deeds but let me tell you something there's a difference between just be, having manners and the spirit of god giving you a love that is genuine for other people Only the Spirit of God can let you love one another and love your enemies and those that persecute you at the same time. We are called to be lovers of people. It's by this that all men will know that you're my disciples, not by how often you go to church, not that you went to disciple now last week, not that you do these things, but that you love one another. So we do it in deed, but number two, we do it in word. We, we usually freeze up at this point. We're good about inviting people to church. We're good at, at uh, talking about uh, religious stuff at times. But yet there needs to come a time where we proclaim the simple gospel, good news of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, somebody's going to say, well, Mark, what is that gospel? Isn't it just if I give my life to Jesus or the terminology we use so often that we've we've kind of broken ourselves up finally, if I ask Jesus into my heart, isn't that good enough? Let me tell you, unless a person realizes, see, see, this is the gospel. The gospel is this. Yes, God loves you. That's good news. But listen, the gospel is this. Seven billion people on this planet, we're all broken. We all have a sin virus that is in us. And because of that sin, we're separated from our Creator who created us for an intimate relationship with Him. But that's been broken because of the sin in our life. But God so loved us that He sent Jesus. And Jesus became sin on our behalf. And He was willing to give His life on a cross in our place so that we could receive forgiveness and life. But yet we have to respond. Everybody has to respond. There has to be a repentance, a turning from where we are to turn to Christ and what He has done in our life. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, that's the gospel. That's more than just come to church. Yes, if you bring them, we're going to share the gospel. Usually, the best opportunity is you just being able on a napkin to say, "This is you, this is god we 're separated, we need jesus we've got to turn to Jesus. You see people uh you know it's it said this before don't you think all roads lead to lead to God well, eventually they all lead to God, but do all lead to heaven no. As much as we would like to have some kind of universal, yes, just being part of humanity makes you right with God. In most funerals today you go to say that, but that's not the truth. The truth is that God so loved us that He sent Jesus, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, people have to hear the good news. The Spirit comes to enable us. You can't do it on your own. So don't don't get the hives on your back. Realize he goes before you. The third thing that I want to deal with right quick is this. What is the summary of the the whole book of Acts anyway? And it it comes out right here. It's it's really threefold. It's really simple. It's this, is that Jesus went up. In other words, Jesus was here. He uh, rose from the dead. He was here for 40 days, and then he ascended back to the right hand of God the Father. And one day, you ready for this? He's coming back. He's coming back. Might it be any minute? I think so. I think they were expecting that in the New Testament. Somebody's going to say, well, I think this needs to happen, blah, 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 blah. I I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he's going to return. And we need to look with anticipation to that. So Jesus went up point number 2 the spirit came down he sent his very presence to inhabit his people his followers so if you are here today and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ you have made a faith step of commitment of Christ uh, to Christ what he does is he takes his very presence and comes inside of you man talk about a foreign entity coming inside of you, but he comes to take residence inside of you and begins a cleaning process from the inside out. He enables you to carry out the commission. He enables you to serve. He, hear this, the role of the Holy Spirit, you cannot even come to Jesus unless he convicts and woos you, draws you to him, that you see this brokenness in your life. And, and we, we think brokenness is so terrible. Brokenness brings life. And so he brings this. He he restores. He comforts. He unites us together. So the Spirit came out. Jesus went up. The Spirit came down. And the third thing that happened is the disciples went out. They went out. Notice what it says in the Scripture there. He says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Many scholars see this as a concentric circle. Jerusalem being that closest entity, um, and then Judea being the countryside, Samaria being the next step out, and then the ends of the earth, which uh, that's a good illustration. I mean, right where you are to the ends of the world. But I think it's a little bit more than that. I think uh, because many of these disciples were from Galilee, so Jerusalem wasn't even their home. But he's saying this, start where you're at right now. we live in a post-Christian nation. It, it scares me I, uh, that that has happened in my lifetime. I do not want to walk out of here to step into the presence of the Lord and say, oh, yeah, you lived in the time when your country became post-Christian or the churches started emptying. I think that every generation is is uh, needs to see about what it can do to reach their generation. So students, uh, don't think your parents are going to ru- ruin... Uh, uh, going to be able to win your generation. We're praying that you win your generation. And uh, and so we, we look at this, and so Jerusalem is where you are. Start right where you are, in your home, in your family, right where you are. Your Judea is those you have contact with, your uh, schoolmates, classmates, workmates, uh, neighbors, those that you have contact with. You are able to love them into the kingdom, share the gospel with them. You go a little bit farther and you have Samaria. Now, here's the deal about Samaria. you ready for this? The Jews would not have anything to do with the Samaritans. They were outcasts. And I think the Lord is saying here, listen, the gospel is not only for you and your family and those close to you. It's for those that are even your enemies that you don't like. Those people that you would never hang out with, the gospel is for them too. And then it's for the ends of the world. It's to go to the the unreached people all over the world. You do know this, don't you, that missionaries are coming to the United States from other countries now? Because we are post-Christian. We have become asleep in the light. And they're coming here to wake us up, hopefully, and, and, and pray that's happening. So the disciples went out. The, Jesus went up. The Spirit came down. And the disciples went out. So what? That's always my deal. I I, I study this passage. I think we need a fresh start. So so what? You ready? Here's the so what for today. It's our time. It's our time. We've been handed the baton. What are we going to do with it? The gospel has come to us. What are we going to do with it? How are our neighbors going to hear if it's not from us? How are our classmates going to hear if not from us? How are our workmates going to hear if not from us? Mark, you don't understand. I live in, a, in an environment that's very non-Christian. I know, man, we've got to really pray. God, show us how to break this down. Show us how we can live for you and love for you in this environment. And so it's our time. In fact, in Hebrews 12, it says we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And, and I, I realize they're cheering us on, kind of, so to speak, but I think it's also a relay. We've been given the baton. Am I going to step out of here as a pastor into the presence of the Lord and say, oh, yeah, Mark, you pastored in the time when churches were emptying because of, of uh, powerlessness or they, they lost interest, or you, you lived in a country that was one time very on fire for God but has become lukewarm. Is that how I'm going to step out of here? That, that concerns me, okay? So it's our time. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? I, I, uh, I read something this week in the Scriptures, and I, bear with me just a moment because there is a deep, deep truth here. And I was reading in Exodus. You know where in Exodus the, the slaves coming out of Egypt and this kind of stuff, and Moses is given all this direction on how to build this earthly tabernacle, this earthly tent, which is going to be a place of worship, Okay. It's uh, got a holy place. It's got a, a place where the priests are going to serve. It's a sacrificial place, the place for the people to come in. It, it works that way. And eventually, this portable version is going to become the temple with the Holy of Holies and the holy place and the sacrificial area and, and this kind of stuff. If you don't understand what I'm saying, uh, you can go read Exodus. But uh, uh, here's the deal, though. When, when we build something... Like the school that, that's being built out here, we do the foundation, we do the walls, and then we do the roof, and then we start working on the inside. That's, that's how we work in our country. When I was reading this, all of a sudden it, it became alive to me. When they were being instructed how to put the tabernacle together, you see in the very center holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God. And so when Moses was told the direct orders and how to build the tabernacle, he said, start there, and then build around that. In other words, God is the center, he is the first, and then you build out from there. I have a temptation in my life to just add Jesus to it, or add Jesus to my work add Jesus to my neighborhood, add Jesus to this, add Jesus to that, instead of Jesus being the center of everything I do. And I read that and I thought, oh, Lord, how are we ever going to make impact in our world just by adding Jesus, a little God, to our life, instead of letting you be the center which you desire of our lives? Does that make sense? I really believe that that is what God is calling us to. Mark, that sounds hard. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. You, when you came in today, you were given a little card. Pull, pull a card out. If you didn't get one, you can get one, uh, at the end when you leave. You were given a little card, and, uh, it's got a verse on there out of First Timothy chapter 2, verse, uh, 1 through 4 which uh, the end of says, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The Lord desires seven million, seven billion people on this planet to come to a relationship with him, but he's going to use you in your small segment of the world. So what I want you to do is on the other side, it says all men to be saved, knowing this is God's will I commit to daily pray for these individuals that they may come to a knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord, pull out your pen, pull out your pen, and I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, who are three people that I have a relationship with somehow that do not know you? And I want to pray that they come to a knowledge of you. Write them down. Pass a pen around. If you need to pray about it, you can pray about it. If you do not know three people that don't know Christ, shame on you. You need to begin by learning how to build relationships. Write them down. Maybe they live close to you, maybe they don't. But I want a personal contact. I don't want President Trump or or Nancy Pelosi on on the card. I I want you to put uh, someone that you know, that does not have a relationship with Christ. And I want you to take those three three uh, lines and write their name in there. And what you're going to do is you're going to take it and you're going to put it in your Bible. And each day when you do your Bible reading plan, you're going to pray for those three people. How do you pray? Well, if they don't live near you, Maybe it's to pray, God, show how I can make contact, but, but Lord, put somebody the real deal in their path. I've prayed that many a time for my, my kids, for other people. Lord, put the real deal in their path so that they can hear the gospel. But if somebody is close to you, God, show me, show me how I can love them into your kingdom and share the gospel with them. Okay? Three people. Put them down on your card. And, and, and you can, in just a minute, uh, when the worship team comes back up, I'm just going to ask you to begin praying for those three people. Just begin to pray that God will open up the door. Maybe it begins with an invite. You know? I don't know. But I, I want you to do that. I end with this. Um, you know, sometimes, I don't know about in your life, but you've got those people that you just want to be like. You want to emulate them. You want to, there's just something about their life you want to be like them. You want to, their character, their walk with the Lord, something. You're thinking, man, I wish I could be more like that person. Well, I'm the same way. And, uh, you know, there are people I want to be like. And uh, this past week, you know, my mom passed away um, a little over a year, a year and a half ago. And uh, we're finally getting around. She had a storage um, uh, shed. And so we, we're finally, Pam and I went up last Monday on the day off, and we started cleaning out uh, her storage and, and this kind of stuff, getting her clothes to Goodwill and, and that kind of stuff. And we brought some boxes home. So there's one particular box that I'm going through. My mom kept every newspaper clipping of every sporting event we ever did. Um uh, and, and she, uh, she kept everything that, that, uh, that, uh, ever had. I mean, every wedding announcement, every, everything that's in there. And, uh, I found, I found, uh, a, a newsletter from our church. And, uh, that is when I was a senior in high school. Uh, I had a neck, didn't I? Uh, I play, you can tell I played football, uh, had a neck and, uh, um, and, uh, what that was, it was a youth, youth week leaders thing where we, uh um, we took on the roles in our church and this kind of stuff. And that's actually, uh, uh, that Sunday would be the first sermon I would, I would ever preach. And, um. Uh, but I, but I saw that, and as I was going through it, you know, I was kind of laughing, you know, just like you did as I look at that and this kind of stuff. And uh, all of a sudden, really, the Holy Spirit convicted me. See, I want to be like that guy. Because that guy, at his 17 years of age, thought church was a waste if he didn't bring a lost friend with him. That guy was willing to share gospel in his classes at school with friends. That guy was not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think, God, what happened? What happened? And I always so life happens. We get cynical. All these stuff. We get more knowledgeable about stuff. It's trash. We're called to share the gospel I want to be like that guy. I say, God, forgive me for letting the flame grow cold.